welcome to another remarkable podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and today we're joined by Seamus Martin. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Mark. For the listeners out there who don't know who you are, can you briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's uh, Seamus Martin. I work with Remarkable Mark at Power School, or I did work with him up until last Monday. And I just quit my job after two and a half years uh, to start a company. Nice, nice. And since this topic is more about how we got into tech, so for those who don't know, you used to be a math teacher, is that right? Yeah, so right out of college, I decided to do uh, Teach for America. And I was, yeah, I was a math teacher for about two years uh, before getting started in any sort of tech discipline. Nice. And what was your motivation, actually, from transitioning from teacher to tech? Yeah, so when I was a teacher, you know, I would constantly preach to my students that you could constantly be learning and that you should learn to love learning. And by the end of just preaching that for two years, I realized that the thing that I loved the most was learning. And I started to, you know, go on Quora and a bunch of different blogs and read about different topics, all sorts of topics, and found that I was constantly being drawn towards uh, topics about tech because there's just so much to learn in technology. And so that's, that was something that I wanted to do uh, was, to, was to choose a career where I could be learning for my entire career, learning new stuff. And we do, you know, we learn new stuff every day. For sure. I definitely agree with you that we're always constantly learning. How was kind of the process of the transition to tech? Yeah, so I had signed up for two years to teach. And by the end of the first year, I kind of knew that tech was what I wanted to do. Um, so I started to try to find places in the school year where I could work in technology. I did some clubs where we could do just basic programming. Um, I worked a lot with our computer science teacher to like figure out cool projects for kids to do. And I started to do stuff like creating worksheets using programs, um, you know, getting all of my students' email addresses uh, and sending them emails automatically if they weren't doing well, um, like that sort of kind of beginner stuff. Uh, and then by the, the end of that year, that last year of teaching, I you know, still wasn't feeling super confident in my ability. So I did a, I did a uh, programming boot camp. And then shortly after that, I uh, started working professionally as a programmer. You know, looking back, I probably didn't need to go to the boot camp. It didn't help me that much. Uh, taught me React really well, which was good. But uh, other than that, uh, it was it. It didn't help me that much uh, with knowing how to code. Gotcha. That's interesting because I know that there are quite a few people who, of course, didn't study computer science, and so what they did was they went to boot camps. So, do you mind going a bit more into your experience in the boot camp? Like, how did you get in, and of course, the curriculum there. Yeah, so it was it was one of those boot camps when boot camps were huge, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, I guess they're actually still pretty big, but it was one of those where it was pretty selective. Uh, so afterwards, after I finished the boot camp, I was actually a TA there for six weeks, and we would do interviews, and we were just constantly interviewing people. And it was, you know, the interview was essentially as hard as any interview I would give a junior developer for a job. Right. So we were we would filter out anybody who probably couldn't already get a junior developer job. And that was the experience getting started was, uh, you know, taking an interview like that, doing some, you know, array manipulation as an interview, uh, similar to what you would you would give, you know, maybe somebody fresh out of college. Um, And then once the interviewee had passed that, they would start learning some frameworks, learning some database languages. We we focused on SQL um, and then learning a back end as well. My bootcamp was full stack JavaScript. Uh, I know there's a bunch of other 
types. I think if you remember one of our coworkers, James, mm -hmm. went to a different boot camp, and I, I think that they used Ruby. Yeah. So yeah, or even did some Rails programming. But there's lots of different types out there. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I know that for sure. Like five years ago, Rails was this big thing, and so ton of boot camps. The curriculum was just based on Rails, pretty much. But now it's kind of expanded more to like React and other technologies. Node.js probably as well. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Definitely with those those technologies, if you can learn one language and be a full stack programmer, perfect. Right. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And I feel like also the boot camp is trying to ensure that they stay up to date. Right. Because if, you know, an employer is seeking to hire somebody, it's most likely going to be one of the more used or popular languages or frameworks these days. Right. What was interesting is, is I still, you know, Google doesn't realize that I went to this boot camp, but I still get advertisements for my boot camp. And it's, they have like a cryptocurrency module now. I think they do like one two or three days on like an intro to what you would have to learn to get a machine learning job. Mm. So they're, they're constantly kind of listening to what students want to learn more about and adapting to that. All that said, you know, we're talking about how they're so adaptive and so great. But, uh, you know, just to reiterate, I think I could have probably gotten that first job at Schoology mm -hmm. uh, without nothing asked in the interview was stuff that we learned in the boot camp, right? It was basically just simple data structures and a couple SQL problems. Gotcha. Actually, that's a really interesting point. I would like to dive deeper into that. So you said that you probably even didn't even need the bootcamp. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so what I learned in the bootcamp can be said, you know, I already knew JavaScript, right? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know SQL, but SQL can be learned in a couple days. So the JavaScript part, basically I learned how to, in the bootcamp I learned how to apply JavaScript to frameworks like, you know, React and Express. But those, those weren't the, nobody in an interview is going to ask you, you know, name all the lifecycle methods from React, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> More likely they would ask you, you know, kind of an abstract problem to see how you solve problems, which the, the bootcamp is less based on that, or is less interested in getting you to be able to do that than getting you to be able to do a couple demo apps. Mm -hmm. So, but it was still, yeah, I don't want to say that I didn't learn anything. And knowing React might have pushed me over the edge, but I think that more, when I'm interviewing somebody, I'm more interested in, you know, knowing their problem-solving skills. Gotcha. I think that makes sense. Then would you like, if someone else who didn't know how to code wanted to get into tech, would you recommend Bootcamp as an option? I think I would say it's one of many ways that you can get started. I think that um, there's a lot of free resources out there, too, to just learn how to solve those types of problems. Mm -hmm. You know, free, freecodecamp.org is great. Yeah. And also, you know, there's leak code, code wars, all of those places where you can kind of flex your problem solving muscle that'll be more valuable than, you know, just learning specific framework. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, when you're interviewing somebody, right, you're not looking to test their framework knowledge, are you? Or maybe that's just me. Yeah, I think, you know, every company does interviewing different, but I also feel like interviewing in the technical profession is still kind of broken because of the fact that, yes, we have all these prerequisites. You need like X plus years in React or SQL or some backend language. But then when we go down to the coding or technical challenge on the whiteboard, it's more or less data structures and computer science, which we may not even do on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. So I feel like coding bootcamp is nice because it teaches you some applicable stuff to help build your portfolio, help you create these demos that you can present to companies. But then when it comes to just the technical interviewing part, I still feel like that can be improved because 
I like to structure my technical challenges more of things that I may have actually worked on and it's more applicable to the feature area rather than all these abstract questions, which it doesn't really tell you how well you are at building something. Maybe that's why we're looking tired, for example. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that, and maybe maybe it is the case that, you know, what Coding Bootcamp is, is something to give you real experience applying some sort of knowledge to a problem, right? Mm. In the in the form of those demo app, you basically have some time to construct a, you know, a fully working site. That's not small, right? That's a good, yeah, that's a good test of whether you're ready to, you know, work at a company. Yeah, that's true. So then after building the final project, how did the, did the bootcamp help you in any way in helping you find your job? Yeah, so they had a whole career services, which was pretty helpful. They helped us write good resumes was the biggest help. And, you know, what I had done before applying to non-technical jobs uh, was writing a lot of cover letters, sending resumes out. And I found that that took a lot of time and I, I hated writing cover letters. Mm-hmm. So when I was applying to tech jobs, I was I would just find go on a, a site called Clearbit and there was a way to find like the CTO of every company's email address. And I just started firing off emails to CTOs with my resume. <laughs> and that's that's what finally got me the job at Schoology too and you know, got my foot in the door for everything, all of the interviews that I had. So that's that's a way to do it, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty genius. I actually did not even realize that. <laughs> yeah, I think it really, I think it really does work. And I've, I've given the advice to other people, and they've had pretty good success with it too. And then you don't have to write cover letters, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty genius as well. For me, I actually don't like cover letters as well because a resume is just enough. And then if somebody really wants to reach out to you, like they probably run those cover letters or even resumes through some machine learning program. If like it's a large company and they get like thousands of applicants a day, no one humanly possible will be able to read each one and spend the right time to go through them. Exactly. So I think your strategy is brilliant. Pretty much getting the attention of the person in charge or simply getting the referral. For me, referrals is a main thing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's a that's hard though for like a new programmer, especially if you haven't worked in the industry and you don't know anybody. It can be tough to be able to find somebody to refer you. Uh, but yeah, totally right now, you know, as I just quit my first job, right? But the already, you know, knowing you and knowing other people from that company has helped me get contract work, has helped me, you know, open so many doors. Uh, so that's that's definitely how I'll look for jobs in the future, right, is referrals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, networking is still key, no matter what. Yeah, 100%. Nice. So I was going to ask you how you got your first job in tech. But it seems like you already answered it, which was the brilliant strategy of firing the email to the CTO. And then how was the interview process like from there? Uh, It was okay. I think Schoology at that time, and I think a lot of medium-sized startups are getting to the point where they want to have an interviewing structure, you know, but they're... They haven't coordinated enough yet to do it. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of really good interviews. They probably interviewed me too much for uh, a junior position. I think I was interviewed like six times. Uh, and they all were, you know, really good interviews. But they were they were all, you know, kind of disjointed and, and good in their own way. Mm. Some of them had really good technical problems, while others gave me a better insight into the business and like long-term vision. But yeah, there was it was good. And I think that the... You know, Schoology was definitely one of the better places uh, compared to, I had a lot of interviews where it would just be, you know, for the smallest size startup, 
you you get kind of discouraged because the interview would just be like, you know, they ask you a question, they have nothing else prepared. And if you get the question wrong, then that's that's it. Right. So the interview could be 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then and then over. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like if the interview themselves don't have a process, it can be hit or miss in a sense. Like, especially of the size and the maturity of the company as well. If it's a really small startup that just started up, then yeah, you're pretty much interviewing with the founder. Yeah. And that interview could just simply be a litmus test of if that person likes you or not. Exactly. Which is is super valuable at that stage, right? Like, if you don't like somebody that, you know, you're going to spend every day with, that matters. So does make sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it does make sense. But it is also just feels like so crazy, you know, like the interview has like, there's no kind of technical challenge. It's just asking a, a basic question. And then you go to like super large companies like Schoology at that time was more of a mid stage company. Right. So it wasn't like a behemoth in terms of size. But if you interview at Google, like, trust me, I know that people have spent like a whole year interviewing at Google. That's how long the process is. Crazy. Yeah. And like they have so many checks in place before you can move on to the next round. And I think they're just doing that in terms of just quality control of the people they bring in because they know that it's it's always more expensive to fire somebody. Right. So that's why they probably do that in place. And I think Schoology, we're, we're trying to get to a good place, but I do see that sometimes the process can get pretty crazy as well. Yeah. I think every, every individual, you know, lead or manager wants to get to a good place. There's just hasn't been a great coordinated effort yet. Mm, yeah. And once again, like what I mentioned earlier, I do feel like the technical interviewing process isn't the best. And I think there can be a lot of improvements made to it. So for those who are new, who are also interviewing at the same time, it can get pretty discouraging at times when you don't see like any predictable thing or you see like a ton of interview questions where kind of the main questions, all these computer science stuff, which if that's not what you're doing for day to day, you might feel discouraged because that's not where you're trained at. Yeah, I think that that's a, that can be a self-fulfilling thing, right? Like if you, you might not want to work at a company that has bad measures for success as a part of their interviewing process, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like that, that would make, that would probably make you, lead you to believe that there are other parts of the business where they, they don't look for quality indicators, you know, maybe in promotion, mm. you know, the, what's funny is, is that it's, it would be so crazy to us for us to have to take tests, right. To get promoted, mm. <laughs> you know, but there's a, there's a test to get hired in the first place. But I can't imagine ever, you know, Nathan coming to me and saying, you know, sorry, our old manager uh, coming to me and saying, reverse this link list and I'll make you a senior dev. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like once you're in, you're kind of clear. Like you don't really take any more tests. You can always do certifications and that will improve your outlook, Right. for example. But they don't make you a test if they're going to promote you from senior to lead. It's just based on your accomplishments. Right. Which is crazy because that, that's actually where they spend the most money, right? Is, mm. is through promoting you. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like the interviewing process, getting the foot into the door is kind of the hardest. And that's just something that you just got to practice and get better at as long as the status quo doesn't change, which is people still use the same structure of asking computer science related questions and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And, and the, the reality is too that you know, if you if you take the long view, you only have to know that stuff for maybe two or three weeks out of your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You could stay at a company for, I mean, how long have you been at that job? 
Yeah, I've been more than three years. That's uh, you could get rusty at this point, <laughs> or you could be forgiven for being a little rusty. Yeah, yeah. It's like what they say, right? Like you always should kind of practice interviewing once in a while, just so you have all your concepts up to date and reinforced. I mean, that's true. After three years, you'll you'll forget anything. Exactly. Yeah, and which is why, like, I have this little rant about why I feel like coding interviews is just broken because. In the end, knowing these concepts, of course, is good. You know, it shows a good understanding of the fundamentals. But on the day to day, you're never using it, or you're using a library that does all the work. Then why do you ever need to invert a binary tree? Why do you ever need to manually write the logic to do that? If you have a library that's used by millions, that's open source too, right? Right, and it's. I was just gonna say, I I think it's a those sorts of problems may be solved at certain jobs, mm. right? Yeah. At hyperscale, maybe maybe that actually is relevant.、Mm. But for for writing a, a crud web app that's still written mostly in Drupal, you don't need that. <laughs> that's not, that's not the critical part of your site, right? Exactly, and that's reflected in the interview process. You know, at that sort of mid tier company, you probably don't have those sorts of really tricky problems.、Mm-hmm. So, like you mentioned before, actually, how you say that the interview we can learn about the company. The company that's interviewing them, I think that's a really good point as well. Like always, prepare questions, always do research, and the interviewing process. You can learn whether it's a good company for you or not based on questions they ask. Right. So I think that that's a super good point as well for those who are currently interviewing, for example. Yeah, and I think you can learn more about like what you need to work on too,、mm-hmm. creating a baseline. Right. What's so crazy is that I think that if I had if I had gone to a couple interviews before going to a boot camp, I probably wouldn't have gone to a boot camp.、Mm. And so, like anybody who's considering going to a boot camp, should first, you know, go apply to three or four companies, try to get an interview with three or four companies, and see if you can just get a job. Right? You might be able to. Yeah, that's true. And then you then save the money you spend on the boot camp. Yeah, save several thousand dollars, right? Exactly. Boot camps are pretty expensive. They really are. Yeah. They get the job done, but. It is a bit pricey. <laughs> yeah, and what's crazy is, you know, at my boot camp, the reason why it's so expensive is that they they typically run them out of these like super high rent office space.、Mm. You know, they try to give you what is essentially the you know the tech life. You know, they give you at Slack, sometimes catered lunch. You know, all of these things that try to give you this kind of tech lifestyle, but cost a lot of money. It's like college. You know, it's like you're paying for room and board. And, All of that too, <laughs> which is crazy. Gotcha. Maybe that's the real price in the boot camps—the environment they create. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they do all that, and then they have to take profit too, or they—they they don't have to, but they do. Yeah, that's true. Private education. Interesting. So then, after the interview, you obviously landed your first tech job. So how did that go? I、uh, went pretty well, right? We we met each other,、uh, met a lot of cool people at Schoology.、Mm-hmm. You know, Schoology was a great place to to grow up, right?、Mm-hmm. You know, in a technical profession, had a lot of good mentors,、uh, a lot of good managers. Yeah, it went it went super well. I think like the the thing that I I love about programming that I said earlier that I always get to learn that held true.、Uh, I was learning the whole time, and it was a lot of fun. I think that the near the end, I realized that I wasn't learning as much because they. They put me in a good position for the business, right? Was、mm-hmm. which was creating and maintaining all of those different ETLs in the back end, which was pretty much had that part figured out.、Uh, so I wasn't really learning as much anymore,、mm. and so felt like I had to leave to go, you know, try something new. But、uh, 
overall, I think it was a super, you know, fun and successful uh, couple years. And I think the reason why it was so fun and successful was because I was always able to learn new stuff and reach out to, you know, kind mentors like you and other managers that I had uh, and get more work and uh, learn a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You never stop learning pretty much, especially when you're in tech. And, you know, one opportunity creates another. And so the more you learn, the more opportunities and more paths you have pretty much. Yeah. And then so then for anyone who's, who has a similar background as you and who would also want to get into tech and are new, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is a boot camp isn't going to break down this imaginary wall, right? Mm-hmm. There's no sort of credential that's going to make you automatically a programmer. So you can put some resumes out there and try to get a couple interviews um, if you think that you know programming and you know save yourself a couple thousand dollars on a boot camp or a CS degree or whatever. Mm-hmm. So definitely, that's that's the biggest piece of advice. And then also, you know, there's something there's something for everybody in tech. You know, the people that we work with are some of the most diverse people. If you're not a uh, programmer, there's other careers in tech. And tech's a good industry to be in. You know, we're treated well. We're respected at work. You know, so if you're not a programmer, maybe you could be a project manager or a quality analyst or testing engineer, plenty of other options. Yeah, that's for sure. I feel like, especially if you want to try it out, I don't think it hurts to try it out. And even if it doesn't work out, maybe you'll learn something from it and it'll help direct you to a path that you actually want to be getting to towards. Yeah. And I've seen many people who maybe once were engineers and then they transitioned to a PM role or someone who once was a QA analyst and they end up becoming a PM or a developer. So there's a lot of lateral movements that one can make, especially once you get into tech. Right. And there's so many different just types of roles. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, there shouldn't be anybody who can't find a good role. And, you know, in an industry where you are respected at work, you're paid pretty good. It's not a bad career to be in. For sure. Tech, of course, is now a booming industry. It has been for the past decade. And as always, it's always in high demand. So I think it's a, it's a good place to be in. And to follow up on that, what advice would you give yourself if you were to go back in time before your journey even started? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing would have been to just go for it. You know, I think I, I should have, after that first year of teaching, mm-hmm. you know, when I realized that this was what I wanted to do, I should have just spent a couple weeks honing my JavaScript skills on Free Code Camp or you know, Code Wars or something, and then applied for a job, probably could have gotten one. And I think a lot of people who are at that stage, you know, maybe six weeks into learning how to program, uh, they might not feel like they're ready for a job. But like, remember that it's super great to be paid to learn too, right? (laughs) We've taken on a lot of interns, right, that are, they're definitely, you know, a, a contributor can be anywhere from a negative 10 on the team to a plus 10 on the team. And these interns are definitely, you know, on the negative side, but they're learning a lot. And at some point, very soon, you know, they'll be able to make positive contributions. I feel like I could have been there three years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Being in this career that I I really enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah, I would totally recommend if you feel like you might want to do it, you know, just do it. Try to get a job and get paid to learn. I agree with that comment 100%. I feel like sometimes somebody who's new to something might think, oh, I shouldn't do it yet because I'm not ready or I'm not prepared. Right. But in the end, you're never ever 100% prepared. So always take the first dive. And sometimes you need to kind of fake it until you make it. Similar to you, that was the same thing for me. I wasn't great at tech. I pretty much knew nothing. 
but I got paid to kind of take online courses teaching me about tech and programming. And that's actually how I got into it. Over time, I just kept learning. I kept saying, yes, I can do this. And then I ended up learning how to do it and then doing it. And then I finally got up to where I am today. So I agree with you 100%. So tell me more about in what environment you were getting paid to take online classes. So, I mean, kind of my initial job wasn't in tech. I was doing more of film editing kind of stuff. So I worked at a company that produced a lot of videos. And this was just a small startup, like less than 10 people. And what happened was there was an inefficiency that I found where I did a lot of monotonous video editing things in After Effects. And I felt like I didn't want to spend the time to do that. So I taught myself JavaScript, which is the language used by Adobe After Effects to automate things. It's actually ExtendScript. And I pretty much learned it in like two weeks. And then I wrote a script in like less than a month. And then I kind of saved the company like hundreds of hours of work. Nice. After that, the founder just came to me and he's like, hey, why don't you actually work more on the website of the product? And so he had a Team Treehouse account. And I pretty much lived and breathed that every day. I would watch it like in the morning while eating breakfast, then lunch, then the evenings, then night before I fall asleep. And so I, that's how I learned about HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then later some backend languages like PHP and SQL. And that's, that's pretty much how I got into it. And then to this day, I still continue doing that. Like I still follow tech blogs. I still read a lot. I still read books if I think the book is useful. And I still do online courses. I'm not using Team Treehouse now, but in the past I did Linda, which is now LinkedIn Learning. Yeah. And now I'm doing O'Reilly. Nice. So there's a ton of resources and there's also a ton of free ones, like even YouTube and like what you mentioned, free CodeCamp. Yeah. I think those are things that you can make use of and you don't pay a cent. The only thing you're paying is your time. And I think it's worth the investment. 100%. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't realize that After Effects has a API that's 100, that's all JavaScript. Yeah, it's JavaScript based. But of course, there's like the API where you actually have to use whatever they allow you to use for the API. Right. But yeah, that was something cool. So I, I did that. And so then what is Seamus up to next now that you've left Schoology or PowerSchool and now you're working on your next thing? Yeah, so I'm, I, I, left the, I left Schoology to start a company. And my, my company right now, you know, I'm about five days into it. My company is called uh, Dashlight. And Dashlight is uh, trying to solve the problem of the silent, unhappy employee. You know, I'm, I was a very vocal, as you know, we worked together for a long time. I was a very vocal, unhappy employee towards the end. <laughs> Sometimes maybe too vocal. Telling everybody who would listen, you know, all of the gripes that I had day to day. And, you know, ultimately... Those gripes went unanswered and I felt like I had to leave. But it, for every one of me, right, there's a lot of less confrontational people that have feedback about how they're being treated at work. And my company wants to, you know, create an avenue for collecting and analyzing that feedback. Mm -hmm. So that's, yep, that's what I'm up to. If you want to check it out, uh, it's dashlight.io. Right now it's just under construction, but it'll change every day. So keep watching. Nice. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's four days into it. I uh, got the website up, got, our, got my back end, got my CI, CD set up, but not a ton of movement on the actual product. Hey, that's fast. Like four days just getting the site up. That's pretty impressive speed. I'm excited to see where Dashlight goes. And for those who want to learn more about Seamus, how can they do that? Is there a way for them to contact you? Yeah, Seamus at Dashlight.io. 
Also, just my GitHub is spmartin823. Uh, I'm on there all the time. So that sort of thing, you know, I'm around. I'll, I answer emails every hour. Nice. Awesome. Hit me up if you want to collaborate on any sort of project. That's how me, me and Mark did this, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just just something to do right so uh i'm always open to creating new things yeah and for sure like for those who are interested in getting into deck or have any questions or whatnot feel free to reach out to Seamus or even me my email is mark at remarkablemark.org and once again i just want to say thank you for joining this podcast Seamus. yeah thank you thanks for having me mark yeah i wish you luck and stay remarkable mm-hmm.